ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Last night, the government passed its stage three tax cuts and got it through the Senate. Just days before, it faces another major test, fighting a by-election in the Victorian seat of Dunkley. The tax cuts have been heralded as a cost of living measure for all taxpayers that will come into effect from July the 1st. But so far, they haven't led to a surge in support for Labor. Katie Gallagher is the finance minister and she's our guest this morning. Katie Gallagher, welcome. Uh, thanks for having me on, Patricia. Good morning. Are you, are you surprised that this isn't your your tax cuts aren't translating into more support for the government? Well, as you said, uh, Patricia, last night the tax legislation passed the Senate, which was a really good result. So, 100% of taxpayers will get a tax cut, and 84% will get a bigger tax cut than they would have under the former proposal. Uh, but we made it clear from um, the point of of changing our position on the tax cuts when the Prime Minister spoke at the National Press Club, uh, that this decision was taken because it was the right decision for the right economic circumstances at those cost of living pressures that you outline, and it wasn't done uh, for the politics, and that remains our position. So the politics will play out, Patricia, as they do, um, but, um, you know, I think the people expect governments to make those tough decisions, and it was a tough decision to change our position for the right reasons, and that's why we did it. The tax cuts only come into effect in four months. Cost of living is a key issue now, especially ahead of, of course, the Dunkley by-election on Saturday. Is the government doing enough to show voters you're actually listening to their concerns? Well, we recognise people are doing it tough. Um, You know, inflation has been a significant challenge, uh, you know, since we came into government. It peaked in that March quarter that we uh, took over the reins of of being Australia's government. And since then, we've been focused on what we can do, but what we can do without adding to the inflation challenge. And so that's why we've had those targeted measures, you know, energy bill relief. We've spoken a lot about that on your program, medicines, investments in Medicare, cheaper childcare, those initiatives. Um, and then when it came comes to the tax changes, that's a broader um, intervention in a sense that it'll reach more people because those measures have been targeted. And those have to be seen together. Uh, those are combined, you know, the cost of living measures plus the tax cuts, plus the fact that we have to keep an eye on inflation. It's moderating, uh, but it remains outside the target um, band and we need to make sure it's coming down because that's an impost on, on people's budgets as well. Minister, do you accept that the fuel efficiency standards that you've proposed, voters are really worried about them? Well, I accept it's a change. I mean, we're, you know, 85% of the global car market has a fuel efficiency standard. We haven't had one. Uh, but the, so the people are concerned that it's a live issue right now in the electorate that their car prices will increase. Do you, do you accept that people are concerned about this? I accept that certainly, um, you know, concerns are raised. I'm not, I have been raised. I'm not pretending otherwise. Um, this is a change. Um, this is something the Liberal Party tried to do in government and then didn't see see it through. And we've, you know, Josh Breidenberg and Paul Fletcher on the record saying why this is a good thing to do. Um, but then it was dropped. Um, you know, Russia and Australia are outliers on having a fuel efficiency standard. And look, I accept that the opposition um, have never seen a scare campaign that they don't want to jump on. Um, And so they are stirring up the politics around this, trying to scare people around it. But isn't the problem for you that it's working? 
Well, you know, our, our job as government is to do the right thing um, in terms of the policies that we implement. And the fuel efficiency standard is actually about generating choice for car owners and also driving down the costs of running a car over the long term. Um, you know, and if people want to have a look at the impact analysis on cleanercars.gov.au, I think that's the URL, um, they can go and have a look at actually what the facts are. Um, but, you know, we believe people are, do deserve choice. We do believe that they deserve more fuel efficient cars. And we do believe that those costs of running a car should you, be lowered. Are you prepared to make changes to your proposal, given the high levels of community concern? Well, um, you know, there's a lot of support for this too, Patricia, I should say. I mean, there, as, as with any change, there's going to be views on either side, but there is a lot of support for having a fuel efficiency standard in this but country. But is the time frame for the implementation just uh, too short? Well, we're out consulting now. I mean, there's a. I think that closes in early March, uh, and the ministers, Minister Bowen and, and Minister King, will obviously look at all the feedback they've got. I know they're meeting with stakeholders. Um, I know they're meeting with car companies. And the and feedback others. they're getting is that it's too short, right? I've I've certainly heard that coming from the National Party. Um, I haven't heard it, and a couple of car companies. I think some of the smaller players. Um, you know, but there will be views on this. That's why we're consulting. Um, and so they'll have to incorporate that in, in how they come back um, to finalise the position. But at the end of the day, Patricia, I mean, I know the opposition will play politics with this because that's what they do. They oppose and they play politics. But uh, the question for us is, do we want more fuel efficient cars? Do we want more choice? And do we want to make sure that people are lowering those costs of operating those cars over time? And, you know, again, the Liberal Party tried this in government. They dumped it when it got hard. Um, but it's the right thing to do in terms of driving some changes to our car market to making sure those choices about more fuel efficient vehicles are available to people. Minister, if I want to, I want to take you to the gender pay gap issue. Yesterday, the gender pay gap data on nearly five thousand companies, of course, was released. Just thirty percent of them were pay gap neutral. Some had pay gaps of more than fifty percent. Do you want to see more businesses using gender quotas? <laughs> uh, well, I got this question yesterday, and look, um, you know, we're, I'm not certainly thinking about that personally. Quotas have worked in the Labor Party, where I've seen them roll out, and we have. Australia's first majority female government in place, and we've had quotas in place for, for a long time. But that wasn't the reason behind publishing this uh, data. This was about shining some light, some transparency, generating a conversation, which it certainly has over the last 24 hours. I did my first press conference where all of the questions were about gender pay and the gender pay gap, which was quite amazing. Um, and it's it's doing that. I mean, people are having those conversations. Employees can see what's going on in their own organisations and more importantly, employers can see and their boards can see and they will get reports and they will have to act on that because, you know, I think most people would think uh, and hope that people are trying to, to close that gender pay gap. At the moment, if we do, mm. we continue on it normal, as normal, it'll be another 25 years. Your daughters and my daughters will um, experience the same kind of inequality that, that we have over time. Mm. I spoke to Susan Lee a little earlier. She's the Deputy Opposition Leader for, for those listening. Um, and she said she disagreed with the comments from Matt Canavan in relation to uh, the gender pay gap data, which he said was useless. She said his comments were wrong. 
So she's rebuked his comments. Does that settle the issue? Well, I'm really pleased she has, um, you know, obviously, and again, so, you know, well, just to be expected, I guess, from um, Senator Canavan, but, you know, to come out on a day like yesterday and say it was useless, this this data has been collected for 10 years, I would say, including when he was a minister in government. Um, he's then doubled down and, and carried on about how you can't be a senior person in an organisation if you want to work part-time. These are the kind of um, attitudes that have to change. We have to have flexibility in workplaces so women um, get opportunities. It's good for business. Gender equality is good for business. It's good for the economy. And we just can't have these, you know, old-fashioned stereotypes playing out by some of our parliamentary leaders. I'm interested, Um, though, is he talking to a particular group in the community? Uh, look, I, I'm sure he is. Um, you know, I don't think he does anything without calculation. Um, Young men, uh, uh, you know, that's who he's talking about, isn't he? Who who feel yeah, well, perhaps disgruntled th- or like they're missing out in some way. Is this what what this is about? Well, well I think if people read the data, they'll see that it's it's you know. And, and again, I don't want to turn this into a you know this is anti-man or pro-woman. This is about gender equality. This is about everybody getting a fair opportunity and being treated equally. And I think there are some who would like to play that card and create division and stoke that kind of attitude in the community. I don't think it's useful. Um, And the data is very clear. You know, 60% of of those bigger companies in Australia have a gender pay gap that favours men. And that's that's just the facts. And we should be trying to drive a, or close that gender pay gap for the benefit of everybody. But, you know, Matt Canavan will play the politics as he chooses to. He speaks to an audience. I think he's trying to drive some division and, you know, stoke that kind of uh, commentary. It's not useful. It's just not useful. Just finally, you're the acting leader of the government in the Senate. Lydia Thorpe has alleged that Labor Senator Louise Pratt was asleep in the president's chair last night. Senator Thorpe says it meant she was denied the opportunity to give an adjournment speech. What can you tell us about this incident? Yes, I've got a few jobs this week, um, Patricia. Look, I was uh, I was watching that. I went into the chamber. Uh, it was very unseemly. There was a lot of, um, you know, unparliamentary conduct from Senator Thorpe. I've tried to reach out to her and speak to her about that, to to listen to her concerns. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to do that. Uh, Senator Pratt was doing a very difficult job trying to maintain um, appropriate conduct in the chamber. Um, I don't accept Senator Thorpe's version of that. Unfortunately, she it asleep? didn't show the Senate... Uh, no, she wasn't. Um, and I was watching very carefully. There was others in the chamber. Um, you know, unfortunately, this doesn't show the Senate in a great light. We all turn up to work to work hard. And then we have episodes like this that are most, most unfortunate. I when you say there'll be some discussions yeah, about Yeah, when you that say uh, that it doesn't show the Senate in a good light, is that just on Senator Thorpe or does, does your side of politics take some responsibility for the way this has played out? Uh, Look, from what I saw last night, um, Senator Pratt was in the chair. She was trying to maintain um, conduct within the chamber um, and that deteriorated. And in the end, the president came in to try and sort things out. The president wasn't able to maintain conduct. 
um, and the Senate adjourned. Um, we'll have to work through what happened last night um, once I finish this interview, Patricia, um, and and hear everybody out. But, you know, it wasn't, it, as I said, it didn't show the Senate in great light and um, we hope for better. Thank you for your time this morning. Thanks very much, PK. Minister for Finance and Women, Katie Gallagher there, and you're listening to RN Breakfast. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.